Presidente of the IB Sports CEO. I don't know what your actual title is, but RC Carlton. RC, what's going on, buddy? Doing good. Founder, Founder uh, CEO, like the chair, or, or the real uh, uh, title, dictator, tyrant, Thanos. as Jesse calls me the tyrant. <laughs> That's the best tyrant for that doesn't sound as appealing on podcast but uh and these days tyrants are kind of out of fashion <laughs> when they're more realistic oh uh, but yeah i'm doing pretty good how are you man i'm excited man I, we talked about it on the uh podcast last night that just i mean having six nfl games that you know playoff games knowing that from saturday at one o'clock to sunday at like 11 12 there's just going to be nfl on pretty much the entire time uh as a sports fan I don't think you can ask for much more than that. Yeah, I'm very excited. I wasn't, I don't know. I'm still kind of traditionalist about playoffs, not changing for records and things like that. But in this kind of year that we have, it's kind of fun to have the extra game. You know, I think eventually it's going to lead to watered down football, but I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it. And, uh, you know, just, just going to enjoy it. Cause and it's just it's something that we can gamble on, right? <laughs> It's something we gamble on, and it's been a long year. Even though this is a technically a new year, it's still been a very, very long, arduous year. So I'm gonna take it. And 2021 hasn't exactly got off to a roaring start either. But uh, uh, it's acting up too. So I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. Pat- I'm still in right now. So 221 shows me a little something different. It feels like 2020 still. So before we start this podcast, and we did this last year, we're going to go over each game. We're each going to have a take on the game. We're going to give a question that we want answered and then basically a a final statement on it. Um, But I do want to say the Ivy Sports Podcast Network has just been killing it. You can follow it on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor just in the last week. RC did a great podcast on the Cobra Kai season three that just came out, a reaction pod. Uh, Alan has been doing a very interesting podcast called The Mod Pod, where they're, they're talking election, really trying not to take it from a left to right stance. Last night, uh, me, Alan, and Joe got together where we both did the backdoor cover, where we discussed each game from a gambling perspective from this weekend. And then also me and Joe, who have just been honestly slaying it with our picks in Daily Fantasy lately, gave our favorite plays uh for the games this weekend and then we also talked golf a little bit we have some guys that are doing well uh and then actually tomorrow night me sam and ron will get back together after a couple of weeks off for the holidays to do the team turnbuckle wrestling podcast so if you're not following the ib sports podcast network and you're listening to this podcast or any other we would appreciate if you do that not only because it supports the brand but also it helps us share it support it get people listening but this uh weekend we got six games um some of them are better than others, but again, it's football. Let's start with the Colts at the Bills. The Bills are, are six-and-a-half-point favorites. It's Saturday on CBS 105. My take is just the Bills are arguably playing the best football of any team in the NFL. Uh, you know, they had that shocking loss, I think it was seven weeks ago, to the Cardinals on the Hail Mary, the Prayer Mary at the very end of the game. It really was shocking. It was a big moment. It was Kind of funny to see how the two teams went completely different directions after that. You thought the Cardinals had all this momentum. They pretty much lost the rest of their games, missed the playoffs. 
And the Bills just steamrolled. They won six straight, all by double figures, including a, a win over Pittsburgh in week 14. They won their last three games, 142 to 54. I have to give my man Allen credit. He was really hyping up Josh Allen last year when I was saying the dude can't complete a pass. Like, what are you talking about? He's overrated. Gets digs. Hyping him the whole time. He finally got his way on that one. He did, and he's had a great year. But I just – I think this may be the team that has a legitimate chance to beat the Chiefs. I know, obviously, any given Sunday, any team can win – you know, any game. But, I mean, if we're talking about realistically match up and have a good chance to beat them, you know, say, I don't know, four out of ten times, I think the Buffalo Bills are that team. But that's kind of my take in this game. It's about the Bills, not the Colts. What's yours? Uh, My take is that this is the best I've seen a quarterback elevate his game from what we – previously saw in years past since Cam Newton's 2015 season. So I have always been very, very critical of Josh Allen, but his completion percentage, I think it's like 68, maybe even got to 70% before the season ended. And it's just amazing because in the scouting world and in the player development world, there is this belief that you cannot improve accuracy, but he has, I, I question if maybe this is me uh, trying to save face, or maybe this is true, if this is an outlier just like Cam Newton's year was. But right now, the way Josh Allen is playing, the way that offense is playing with the addition of Diggs, Cole Beasley is kind of questionable if he'll play or not. He might even be doubtful, but I mean questionable just in general, not the designation. But and when they have uh, the, the, the deep threat kid, I can't remember his name, just slipped the top of my thumb, but they have everybody at full strength, John, John, uh, John Brown, mm-hmm. when they have everybody at full strength, I mean, it's really, really hard to stop that offense. Yeah, and I mean, even guys like Isaiah McKenzie, Greg Ward, they've stepped up. And, and that's what's been most impressive to me about Allen is, you know, I know Diggs has been there week in and week out. The rest of the receivers have missed games, and it seems like no matter who is in there, it's a different guy each week other than Diggs you know, getting a touchdown, getting 100 yards, and that's what's made the offense so potent for an offense that really does not run the ball, you know, that well. They got two backs that are, you know, they're okay, but they rarely ever, you know, establish the run first. They throw, 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 and then they'll run, you know, if they have to. And the other big thing is just the defense. Me and Alan talked about this last night. It was such a shock how bad they were early because they were one of the better defenses last year. And that's, to me, what makes them so dangerous in the playoffs is not only is the offense just rolling, but the defense has really improved the last five, six weeks of the season. Yeah, I, 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 they, they just, they're probably the most complete team that I've seen in the playoffs. And to me, you know, not looking at Kansas City, it's kind of like an NBA thing where, you would see teams like the Lakers when they had Kobe and Shaq, and they would just kind of turn it on and coast to the regular season. Uh, LeBron has been accused of that as well many times. But without Kansas City turning it on, right now what I've seen the best team going into the playoffs is the Bills. And, uh, yeah, I just I, – I, I, without spoiling it, I mean, we're not there yet, but I strongly <laughs> lean towards them. But I do think if there's a matchup other than Kansas City – it's ripe to beat the Bills. It's the Colts. And that get into your big questions. I, I, I thought this was really interesting. It's your big question. Oh, I'm sorry. So 
I think you could argue the Bills got a bad draw as the two seed. I mean, they, they've struggled against the run at time. We saw the Kansas City Chiefs. I know that was kind of a, a rainstorm game, but the Chiefs didn't run the ball well all year. And in a game that they had to, they just ran it down the Bills' throat. And then here they are facing a Colts team who has a good offensive line. The, the rookie running back, Jonathan Taylor, has just exploded after a really kind of tough spot in the middle of the season where, honestly, he got benched, if you really look at it. And since week 11, he's got 741 yards, seven touchdowns in those six games. I mean, that could be a recipe to slow down and beat the Bills. I mean, did they get kind of a bad draw? I, I, I That's a good question. I think, uh, and Rosillo and Bill Simmons do this all the time, too, when they're trying to, like, structure the show. So I, I think it's all right that we kind of did it. Because at first we were saying maybe we both do a big question, but <laughs> it's smooth if we alternate it. But my question was going to be, which ties in here, and I didn't erase it, which probably confused you, is that, it was going to be if the Colts could shorten the game because Jonathan Taylor's playing so well, could they shorten the game? Could they run the ball? Could they control the line of scrimmage? Even though one of their uh, tackles, I think they're one of the good tackles that they have is out. But can they shorten the game? Could they dominate the line of scrimmage? Can they play the Bill Parcells? Uh, don't turn the ball over. Run the ball. Win time of possession. Play hard-nosed defense. They even play a zone defense cover two, which generally prevents you from getting beat deep. So they have, they are a bad draw because they have the recipe to give the Bills the most trouble outside of a team like Kansas City that just has more talent. And the one thing I will say is, you know, the Colts have have been a team that kind of has this stigma that their defense is, you know, above average in the secondary particular. But I discussed this last night when Josh Allen was my favorite play for fantasy this week. They played the Jets, the Jags twice, the Bears, Browns, Raiders, and Bengals. And they faced basically, they had three games against what I would call upper echelon quarterbacks or elite quarterbacks. They played uh, Rodgers and Watson twice. In those three games, they gave up over 1,000 yards and five touchdowns. Big Ben threw for 341 and three touchdowns on them. So they better run the ball and control the clock because if not, it has been proven that you can throw on them, and this offense can definitely do that if they're allowed to. And I think, I think it comes just to wrap a bow on this particular game. I think it comes down to the Colts have the template for to beat them, but I don't think they're good enough. I don't, like you were saying, with the what they've done against really good quarterbacks, they, they just aren't good enough. They are an above-average team, and the Bill, or they're, I mean, you could say an average four playoff team, but they're slightly above average. They're a B-minus team. The Bills are a B-plus, A-minus team. So even though the way they play should tie, uh, play into the Bills' hands, I mean, into the, uh, the, the way they play should be able to hamstring the Bills a little bit. The Bills are also very physical, so I don't think that will bother them. And I just don't think, like the Colts, I'm mean, not, not like the Colts, like the Chiefs, you're not holding this team below 25, 27 points, probably not below 30, 30 points. You're just not. I don't care who you are. And the league is not like it used to be where these teams couldn't move the ball down the field. A lot of times it would be, okay, I can hold the ball, and the offense is running as explosive, so you know, I, that means something. But you're playing Josh Allen and a team like that, 
And, to, and, and with the, the uh, Mahomes in the past and Aaron Rodgers, they're just going to go down the field and score on you. You're going to keep running the ball all day? <laughs> so so I, I definitely have a strong play for the Bills here. I completely agree, and it really comes down to, you know, Phillip Rivers has had a great career, but if, if the Colts get behind and you got Rivers throwing a lot in this game against the Bills defense that, again, has started to, you know, create turnovers and just play a lot better, uh, that's a recipe for a blowout. I, I think the, the Bills not only win, but they should cover the six and a half as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. The, Ra- the Rams-Seahawks. The, the second game on Saturday is the Rams-Seahawks. Seahawks are four-and-a-half-point favorites. What's your take on this game, R.C.? I like the way Seattle finished the season. It, it, I mean, they're, I believe they're, what, a 12-14. and 14, mm-hmm. But they're, they're about the, one of the weakest 12-14 I've ever seen in my life. They played a very easy schedule. Uh, Russell Wilson has not been the same quarterback since week nine. Uh, for PFF scores, he was a top-rated quarterback in the first eight weeks. The last uh, since week nine, he has been the 19th-rated quarterback. So everything around Russell Wilson, uh, I think in the last three or four games, there has not been a 20-yard uh, explosive play from um, DK Metcalf. So the offense is sputtering. They've gone back to that traditional style. Before the season started, it was let, let Russ cook. And he started out with like 11 touchdowns and no interceptions. But now they become more conservative. They're running the ball. And Wilson just hasn't looked good. And I think it started the Arizona game with just like uncharacteristically bad decisions. And and this is not a good matchup. But I will say they played down the stretch. They played the Giants and lost. They played the Jets. They killed them. They played the football team, blah. They played the Rams and they beat them. And they played, and golf played the worst game of his career almost since uh, McVay has been there. And they played the Niners. I'm just, yeah, I'm just not, that was horrible. I'm just not sure who they are right now. And I don't think they, they do either. It's, it's kind of ironic because my take is I actually like the way they're playing now because I think we've seen that this is a successful recipe for this team. That They've had success doing this uh, because, yeah, the offense was great earlier in the year, but, I mean, the defense was, like, all-time bad. And it's been really impressive to see the way they played down the stretch. Obviously, you'd like to get Metcalf, you know, doing a little bit more. That's not going to happen this week, I don't think, because he's going to be shadowed by Jalen Ramsey. But, you know, they won six of their final seven. And, uh, I mean, they gave up only 23 points or less in all eight of their games down the stretch, 120 points in total. I just think that Russell is a good enough and smart enough quarterback that if the defense continues to play at this level, and I don't really believe in the Saints – the Packers, or the Bucks, And I mean, as you said, the Seahawks are also very flawed, but I at least know that their defense is playing well. We know Russell has done this before. The Packers have had, you know, troubles in the playoffs in recent years. Obviously, we're going to be interested to see what Tom Brady does with the Bucks with, his, you know, his first run. And I just think Drew Brees is washed. And as great as Alvin Kamara is, I don't know if they have enough on offense. And I just think Seattle is kind of quietly a team that, the Packers should be the favorite. They've earned that. You know, they have the best record. But if they're not the favorite, I think Seattle is the second team that has a good chance coming out of this because they're, they're if it's chalk, they're going to get New Orleans at home where they were 7-1 and one this year. 
And then obviously they'd either go to Green Bay or if Tampa Bay upsets it, then Tampa Bay would come to Seattle. That's where I just did this. They just had a really easy schedule, and they still played the Giants. And that defense, that defense was giving up like 325, 350 yards a game. As far as in the air, they got it down to 290. But it's a lot of it. It's like who they're playing. They played uh, – who, who were the Niners starting? They were playing Bedford. Uh, uh, CJ. CJ yeah. Bedford. And they played golf. And they played uh, – I wanted to say Mark Sanchez. They played <laughs> Sam Darnold. They played Colt I guess your defense does look better. And they play Alex Smith. Maybe that wasn't even Alex Smith. I can't even remember if that was Alex Smith or that was Haskins or what. <laughs> but I think that who they are will get exposed by playing these teams. I mean, it might not be the Rams because the Rams are uh, – it looks like Jared Goff is a go, but it's so bad that a lot of people are saying Warford because he can move a little bit and that you really don't know – who he is, one of my favorite podcasters or favorite NFL commentators, Mike Lombardi, always says that the most talented sword fighter in the land doesn't fear the second most talented sword fighter. He fears the sword fighter that he does not know. And Warford would be the sword fighter he doesn't know. Uh, it doesn't look like Warford's going to start. It looks like they're going to try to force their golf if he can play. Uh, but, yeah, I don't. Ugh, that's tough for me. But my big question is, the Rams played Russell Wilson very well. He was sacked 11 times this year playing the Rams. So, so it's going to be an ugly game. They know each other. No surprises. See, uh, the Rams have played the Seahawks even to the Legion of Boom and Jeff Fisher days. They played them well. Uh, McVay has done very well against them uh, besides that last loss last week or two weeks ago. And I just want to know or just want to see if Russell Wilson can improvise or maybe this is what he doesn't need to do. If he really can stay in the pocket, get some kind of rhythm passing game instead of relying on the second reaction plays. I think that's a great question. And honestly, the answer is kind of my big conclusion. That It's just I don't think they have to worry about too much this week just because they're either facing, you know, Jared Goff with a bad thumb or Wolford, who is an arena quarterback, and as we were joking last night, he is not Kurt Warner. So they're not going to have to do a lot. I think Russell is definitely prepared to do just enough to win this game, and it just needs to be remembered that they're still 7-1 and one at home. And I know with COVID and everything, there's been questions about home field advantage, but if you look at it, teams like the Packers, the Saints, the Seahawks, the Chiefs, all had really good home records, so I still do think it makes a difference and I do expect them to take care of business, even if it's ugly. And I do agree with you. It's going to be hard for them to move the ball. I expect Tyler Lockett probably to have one of those games where he has like 10 catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. Hopefully Chris Carson can get something going. Who He missed one of the two games. And uh, I expect them to win this game. The, the spread does scare me, though. The four and a half. I, I would feel a lot better if it was four. Uh, actually, I'd feel a lot better if it was three. But uh, I, I do think Seattle is going to win. What's your big conclusion on this game? That my big conclusion is that for them to win, DK Metcalf has to get going. And he's been shut down by Jalen Ramsey. And just in general, lately, he's kind of shut down. But they've got to get that connection going. He's got two games against the Rams. Eight receptions, 87 yards, and two games. 
games. And the Rams play a lot of cover fours, so it's not always him following around. Not always Ramsey following around. But they've got to win that matchup. That matchup's got to be serviceable. They've got to get some pass interference. Something has to happen in that passing game if we want to see Seattle win that game. And I think I think you maybe a little bit, but the two is golf. But the Rams' defense is really, really mm-hmm. good, you know. But you do. When all else fails and the teams are even, you go to the quarterbacks. I, get, I don't know. Give me the – I'm going to still take the Rams because I believe McVay is the superior coach. And uh, I think the Rams are going to figure out a way to pull it out, even if McVay has to do it for him. And that's what he does to do for golf. I call I I, uh, I compared their offense to a Tesla because it's almost a driverless car. You got with Warford or golf. If golf can just be functional, they can win this game. And it, it's ironic that the two intellectuals that I do podcasts with, you and Joe Matz, both took the Rams. Uh, that probably is not good for me and Alan, who both uh, took the Seahawks. The <laughs> Saturday night game, the Bucks, heavy, heavy favorites, eight and a half. Uh, the, or Washington is an eight and a half point underdog at home. Uh, my take on this is just, you know, Tampa Bay comes into the playoffs. They won four straight, but you need to look who they were against the Vikings, Lions, and Falcons. They appear to have drawn the best possible matchup, obviously, with the winner of the NFC East. It will be interesting to see if Brady and company can keep the offensive explosion that we saw over the last four games. Uh, You know, potentially Mike Evans may not play. And this is a Washington defense that should be able to pressure Brady up the middle, which we know that is how you have success against Tom Brady is you got to you got to get to him quickly and you got to get to him up the middle. Um, a couple of interesting things that I've heard this week is there's been only two uh, underdogs of this level at home. Both of them won. It was the Seahawks in the famous Marshall uh, Lynch you know, run game where he had that big touchdown run against the Saints. And then the other was the Tebow win over the Steelers. Uh, you know, you can take for that whatever it is. But, I mean, it is unusual to see a home team be this big of an underdog. And I just the issue is going to be can Washington get enough offense, even if their defense does everything right and they get pressure on Brady and and they really make a difference. I just don't know if they can, you know, score enough because the Bucks' weakness is their secondary. They were torched down the stretch by teams that could throw the football. But I mean, Washington's going to throw to Logan Thomas. McLaurin has not become as much as a factor as Alex Smith has kind of taken over because we know Alex has got to get rid of the ball quickly. Uh, and they've just been giving up a ton of sacks, which Tampa Bay is great at getting pressure. Uh, and then the other interesting thing was just hearing that Tampa Bay, early in the season when the offense struggled, they were running a ton on first down. They started throwing a lot more on first down, uh, you know, in the late part of the season. And, you know, I'm not an X and O guy myself, but, I mean, even I noticed that Brady, always in New England, would throw a lot on first down. He's got such a great play action, and I think it really kept the defense on their heels. Uh, and and they've done all this, but it's it's going to be interesting to see because th- there's some strengths versus strengths and weaknesses versus weaknesses in this game. Yeah, I'm a Tom Brady stand. <laughs> As everybody knows, that's not a stick. Something like a really Tom stand, but that's just based on his excellence. But he did beat up with some really bad teams at the end of the season. And hey, that's great. They all play in the NFL. It mm-hmm. all counts. doesn't matter if Detroit Lions didn't have, have any of their 
Rodgers. Didn't matter if he's playing your Atlanta Falcons, which is like he owns them. He should have, <laughs> he should have his jersey. But it doesn't matter. Teams and he took advantage. Uh, so it is strength on strength. Hand. The Bucks offense hit a stride. And it was uh, between the second half of the Atlanta game, the first Atlanta game, and they came back. And that next Detroit game, for the first half and the second half, Tom Brady threw the most yards in the history of the NFL. It wow. more than Brocklin's like 632. So he has been smoking. And then he played really well last week, too. But that's not going to happen against I think it's going to be a close game. I would take Washington versus the spread. This is the kind of team that's going to give them trouble. I think it'll be just like the Giants game. You cannot, and it's all up to Bruce Arians, how 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 um, stubborn he wants to get. If he wants to spread them out, they're not going to be able to survive with the pressure. He's going to have to go to the 12 personnel and, uh, and keep it really packed in there, have two tight ends, and try to create play action with Brady and make it a slow, probably run the ball more, try to make it a very slow, methodical game. Because I just, there was a couple shot plays here and there, but they just think they're going to line up and throw it all around the yard. It's, I don't think it's going to happen. Tom Brady is, uh, his quarterback rating, I believe, I mean, double check it here, because it's really bad. Yes, his passer rating is 54 when he's under pressure this year. The games that he was most under pressure, and I said this on the show, and they kept laughing at me, but Ali Marpet, the guard, Ali Marpet, when Ali Marpet plays, now this is a good uh, for you guys listening, when Ali Marpet plays, Tom Brady's uh, yards per attempt goes from 6.1 to 8.1. His yards per drop back goes from 5.5 to 7.6. His touchdown rate goes from 3.7 to 7.1. He's the most valuable guard in the history of football, evidently. But just, I'm joking, but he, it's a big difference. I don't know if that's because he's good and solid and his backup is horrible, but he makes a difference. And so they like to do the skins, like, well, sorry, the football team, they like to do a lot of stunts and they get uh, Chase Young on people like Ali Marpet and guards, they can handle it. But I think that that's the critical part. That offensive line, giving Brady enough time, if Brady has time, it's over. But if he doesn't have time, the football team has a very good chance to keep it uh, close. And just to make you feel better, RC, I am also a Tom Brady stan. I literally have an autographed Tom Brady football behind me right now. And I'm a Falcons fan, and he literally ripped my heart out a few years ago. But, I mean, you have to I mean, respect it. I, I saw the stat today. This is his first wild card game. And, I mean, this dude's been in the playoffs like 18 times. It's, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it's incredible. The big question, though, and, I mean, I hate to do this, but you almost have to, is, I mean, what's it going to be like? What is Tom Brady, his first year without Belichick, and the Pats, can they make a significant run in the playoffs? And fairly or unfairly, we know how the media can be and, and you know, fans and stuff in general. I think the question is going to be is, obviously, if they win here – it's going to start to gain momentum that, you know, Brady, here they come. Boy, if they lose, though, you just know people will be just waiting to pour dirt all over him uh, as, you know, obviously this big favorite uh, against a, a team with a quarterback basically on zero legs. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I'm going to be there, that connection with Belichick. But, I mean, I, I think – 
you look, I try to look at these plans for a new team, new playbook, new coach, stuff he wasn't familiar with, new receivers, hadn't played with any of those people before, besides about a year, or, or Antonio Brown, who also sat out about a year, and he barely played with Antonio Brown. He did an offseason, a real offseason. It was a virtual offseason. So what he's done has been remarkable. Not that good. And they have lost to every team that was half decent, including the Bears. I'm not including Washington as being half decent. Like with a winning well, except record. Except for the Packers. I don't think they, they didn't beat the, team. the Packers. They did run the Packers out. That was, And that just seems more like an anomaly than right. anything sure. else. Just a really weird day. Yeah, the Packers. I give them that. But everything else with the Saints and the Bears and the Rams, they look bad and they mm-hmm. look broken. So they win this game, but then. I mean, it, it, it depends. Like, if it's Seattle, I, I can see them maybe beating Seattle. But for the most part, I see them as they win one and then they're done. I, I And I hope that we get – just because it would be great. You know it's going to be the Saturday night game if it's chalk and it's going to be the Bucks going into Lambeau. Brady Rogers in Lambeau. I mean, I don't really even care if the game's That'll that great. Cool. It's just going to be cool to have it. Uh, what's your uh, big conclusion on this game? There could be opportunities for the uh, Washington football team to win, but their offense is just putrid. Alex Smith is just literally just competent. That's all they need because they have a competent coach. And there's so much to be made in the NFL to having a high floor. And when you have a competent coach that basically plays not to lose, and a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes, and a team that's not going to hurt themselves, that can get you almost eight wins in the NFL. And I think they would have had eight wins if Alex Smith had started the whole guy. But just being competent, just have a competent quarterback play, not making mistakes, playing Bobby Knight, Bill Parcells, Bobby Knight basketball, Bill Parcells football, eliminating mistakes can make you average. But that's not enough to win playoff games. So I definitely have the Bucks. Unless you're Chase Howell's in the group, which, I mean, you know, we know a, a young de- defensive end is the most valuable person in football. I mean, he is a very good player. He's not what everybody says he is yet, but he's a very good player. But those seven sacks didn't turn around. They said they're five and one when the quarterback plays. But, yep. uh, but anyway, Chase uh, is a homer, Ohio State, uh, and his Chase as well. So Exactly. And Ohio State, too much for him to resist. I, I said on the podcast last night, eight and a half is too much for me. I, I think the Bucks are, are going to win. I don't see any way Washington wins this game. But eight and a half, we know how, you know, a, a late garbage touchdown can cover the spread. I just, I'd, I'd have to take the points. And, again, just remember that there is some concerns, though, because, I mean, Brady has not been great. In primetime games this season, he apparently goes to bed at like 8.30 at night, so he's playing when he's normally asleep. Uh, you got a team that pass rushes the quarterback, but I could also really see in this getting out of hand, particularly if, say, you know, the Bucks get up 14 early and you get Alex Smith throwing, uh, Washington's going to be in trouble. But moving on to Sunday, where I actually think there's going to be more competitive games, or at least two of them, What's your take on the Ravens, who are three and a half point favorites 
at the Titans in a rematch both from this season and last year in the playoffs. It does surprise me that they're that three and a half point favorites on the road to a team they can't seem to beat. But uh, the Titans, and it's so funny. There's so many games where these teams have played. They played really crap. Each their famine in league haves and have nots. So while the Ravens have been racking stuff up, and they did it to the Browns once, but down the stretch they haven't played anybody yet either. They beat up on on bad. They beat up on the Giants. They beat up on the Bengals. They beat up. They played a, a good game against the Browns. So yeah, while Lamar and company have gotten better and they're they've got their explosive plays, they've done. They're usually like a zone running team. They've done a lot of gap kind of stuff now, where they've mixed it up and they're pulling more people and schematically. And Allen doesn't like to give him. Uh, gosh, why I, I forgot his name. It's always the offense coordinator for the uh, Greg Roman. Yeah, he doesn't like to give him credit, but they have made adjustments to the running game, and they look a lot better. But it's, is, are they looking better because cause the narrative was they were figured out. But are they looking better because they are playing bad teams, or are they looking better because they're looking better? Not, now, the Titans defense might not be the defense to prove that against, but just a better team, you know? So... I guess that that's my take is that this is just that's the, it's the best game because it's intriguing and you have the Titans who are explosive and in a way these teams are very much mirror images of themselves of each other. Very they want to play smash mouth football and they rely on their quarterback to make big explosive plays through play action when it's time to pass. Not not neither quarterback this year is a guy that you just want to drop back on third and nine and expect him to make a play. Yeah, I, I completely agree on that because both of them, if, if, if either team gets behind, you know, two touchdowns, 10 points or more, you, you got them right where you want them, whether it be Lamar or Tannehill having to throw a lot. But, you know, there's two takes really I have on this game. One is I think this is going to be an absolute shootout. Uh, if, if you forced me, I would obviously take the points with a home team. But I think the over is a lock. I, I just the Titans defense has been historically bad down the stretch because they, they were actually pretty good the first half. They've almost had the, the reverse of the Seahawks where they were good the first eight games. And then, I mean, some of these teams that are just torching their secondary down the stretch is, I mean, outrageous. I mean, the Jaguars last week, or excuse me, you had obviously Watson. We know Rodgers did that the week before. Uh, the Jaguars have had success. Baker Mayfield threw for a bunch of yards against them. Um, but the big thing is going to be, this is all about Lamar. And sadly, like, it's going to be a fair statement. I, I have kind of scoffed at the people that said, you know, well, he can't win because he's got two losses in the playoffs in his first two career starts. But if he can't get over his playoff woes and the losing streak against this defense, because it really is one of the worst defenses in the league the last six, seven weeks. You're going to have to say there's some validity that just he's a great regular season quarterback. He's he's good, you know, week after week. But when he plays better teams and they're going to scheme him or the defense is good enough that they can kind of force him to do what he doesn't want to do and what the Ravens don't want him to do, you know, he, he just can't get over the hump. I, I actually – hope and I'm rooting for Lamar to have a breakout game I want to see him kind of like what Michael Vick did in that Packers game all those years ago where I think he rushed for like 100 yards threw for 200 had three four touchdowns 
But it's going to be really interesting to see. You know, there's got to be a lot of pressure on Lamar this week. It, there just has to be. You're the defending MVP. The season didn't start off the way you wanted to. But as you said, even though it was against bad teams, this offense has been really rolling down the stretch. Dobbins has looked great. Uh, Lamar's looked a lot better. And, I mean, we've even got Marquise Brown, who has touchdowns in six of his last seven games. I think they've made Mark Andrews a focal point, which is one of the big issues they had early. I think my big question is, is the, the, will the real Ravens stand up? Is it the team that lost to the Chiefs pretty handily, that lost to Pittsburgh twice, even though one time they were really ravaged by COVID, but they had, I think it was four, to, Lamar might have had four turnovers himself or, or five turnovers for the game or something like that, where they, they should have won that game, but they just had a lot of turnovers. So who are they when they play teams that are good, that are playoff teams, who are they really? What what team is going to show up? That that would be my big question. And then I think the big conclusion is just that this is the, I mean, and, and we've discussed it, the most intriguing game, and I think it has the potential to be the best one. I, I can, and I, I, again, I think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's actually going to be back and forth. Uh, I think it's awesome that you have two of the guys that if they're on, in the NFL, it's almost impossible to beat their teams in Derrick Henry and Lamar Jackson. I mean, if either of those guys really get rolling, Lamar with both running and throwing and Derrick Henry just running over dudes, uh, you know, that's going to be interesting. And then there's two narratives that I can almost guarantee you we're going to see on Monday. And one is going to be if the Ravens win, Lamar gets over the hump, you know, he, he, he's he's got out of losing in you know every playoff game and here come the Ravens but boy if he doesn't you can just hear it Lamar can't get it done in the playoffs and this Titans team has won three out of four playoff games in the last two seasons as underdogs which ironically reminds me a lot of the Ravens a few years back where you remember they I think won two that first year and then they had the run with Flacco where they went all the way to the Super Bowl and won it uh again I think this is by far the most intriguing game I, I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to stop the run. I think what I really want people to watch for is the Ravens changing the scheme from a more zone to doing the counters and the misdirections and things like that. And I think that that's going to be the key. If they're able to run the ball effectively and make it third and short, where hell, Lamar could even still run again. Then I think they win this game somewhat, somewhat easily. But if they can limit the running game, the, the Titans, which I'm not sure if they can, but if they can, then the Titans have a chance. Unless you just have uh, Derrick Henry just go off, which is possible. <laughs> yep, you just go Superman. Yeah. Fortunately, I've got the Ravens, even though that goes against my Super Bowl pick and my second favorite <laughs> team to play watch this year, Tennessee Titans. The. Uh... Real quickly before we move on, because one day, so you think that they're going to change up their run scheme. Dobbins would be the big benefactor of that, or do you think it would be Jackson? Because I, I do want to make sure I get one of those in the lineups. In their succession, in their in their success, the last three or four weeks, they've been running more counters. Uh, they've been running more gap scheme stuff as opposed to running the zone uh, scheme. So that that's kind of why they've had a resurgence. So I think that's going to be a big part of what we see that 
they're going to have a hard time. They're going to have guys coming at them, and they, they're going to have guys pulling. They have guys coming at them. The uh, the only really, I think there's another guy, but mainly it's Jeffrey Simmons in front seven that's any good for Tennessee. And they're gonna, their linebackers going to have guards and tackles coming at them all night. They got the shed blocks, and it's going to be a real tough night for them. Now, again, I hope that, that uh, there's something that Tennessee can scheme up, but I have my doubts. But they did beat them earlier this season, but that's before they changed their their running game a little bit. So I, I, that's what I would look for there. And, I mean, it would be three times in basically, what, 13, 12 months? Because, I mean, it was just last year in the playoffs they beat them. We, we know how difficult that is to do. Yeah, I mean, I would say Baltimore's my talented team. And so for Tennessee to beat them three times, that would be just insane. Especially when, you know, most people consider Harbaugh one of the better coaches in the league. So the the, the midday game bears at Saints. The Saints are 10-point favorites. Um, this is despite Breeze, I mean, honestly, looking washed. I mean, he just he just can't throw the ball down the field, even when he has Thomas anymore. Uh, I think Kamara is arguably the you know most valuable offensive player in the league. When you look how he he really makes this offense continue to be effective, uh, you know. Do what, buddy? That when Taysom Hill plays, he doesn't. Well, that's fair. That's fair. I, I learned that the hard way, unfortunately, in DraftKings. Uh, Kamara is going to play. I mean, I, I feel like the only reason this game's on Sunday, right, is because they wanted to make sure he could get out of the protocol. But the, yeah, I think he's definitely the – I think Zoom and practicing and all that, you know, doing the Zoom calls for practice. But I think he's on, on schedule to play. So the, the real reason, though, the Saints are heavy favorite is, I mean, the Bears are arguably the worst team that made the playoffs. They were 1-6 and six in their other seven games against playoffs teams. Obviously, they had that win over the Bucs. If you watch that game, the Bucs just absolutely blew that game in the fourth quarter, uh, including they lost to a Saints team, the Saints team at home. I just I expect the Saints to roll the Bears. They've been one of the best run defenses all year. That means even though David Montgomery has been fantastic down the stretch, I mean, really has just like came out of nowhere after looking like a bust for the first year and a half, and that's going to force our boy Mitch Trubisky to throw a lot, and we know he turns it over when he has to throw a good bit. And I don't think the Saints have a great chance of winning the NFC because I, I just I think that if you can kind of just bottle up Kamara a little bit, uh, their offense can be pretty stagnant. But I don't think they're going to have any problem in this game against this Bears team. I don't either. I, I mean, I think the Bears. Uh, my take is that the Bears just aren't good. I, I, I can't believe. Like, I feel like the and as maybe it's just a bad, bad division. But I feel like the the football team has a better, like, more deserving playoff of, of the playoffs than the Bears. I just. I thought the Bears were out of it. And then all of a sudden they put Trubisky in and they're winning. But Trubisky isn't really any better. They just done a lot better job of hiding his deficiencies. But the Saints, if you look at these two teams, the Saints are a better defense. And the Saints are a better offense. So they're going to have the advantage on both sides of the ball. Like, I don't know what kind of choke would have to happen. The only chance I think the Bears would have would be to just force Drew Brees into mistakes 
where sometimes his arm just doesn't have enough in it. And maybe you get that and you get the turnovers. But I, I just don't see that in this kind of game with Drew Brees. I know the Saints have choked in the playoffs before, but I don't see this as much being a game. This is a game, guys, if this is the game that your wife wants you to do something, this is the game <laughs> that I would consider as any game we're going to miss. It would be Mitch Trubisky playing quarterback because I, I, it's just not. He's just not that, that good. His PFF scores aren't that good. And he's winning, and he's had a couple of good games statistically, but they mostly have been just based on the system. And he is athletic. So I've always said if you let Mitch run around and do his thing, you've got a chance for him to make some plays outside of structure. But this Saints just outclassed these guys, in my opinion. Can you just imagine how good this Bears team would be if they just would have drafted Deshaun Watson instead of Trubisky? It was sad. It really is sad. For both Watson and Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah it, it, it's sad. At least sad for Mahomes, though, like, he wasn't, you know, a national champion and had shredded Alabama two, three times. I mean, it just, to me at the time, it was just like one of the most baffling picks ever. And it's why I believe, you know, race is involved in everything. Because I just don't think you could look at Deshaun Watson and Mitch Trubisky and go, I'd rather have Mitch Trubisky after watching their college careers. Uh, the big question, and it's not probably going to come to, you know, fruition, but I still want to know, like, what would this Saints roster look like next year if there is the big upset? I mean, is Breeze gone, retired is maybe Jameis the guy I'm waiting, and that's the reason they started Taysom Hill was they didn't want Winston to play a few games knowing Breeze was probably going to return and just up his value and maybe get other teams looking for him. Or do they go to Taysom Hill? Like, What do you think would happen if they did, you know, shockingly lose this game? Uh, well, the, I've heard reports, and I don't know if it was Schefter or, or Rapper, in a rap report that breeze uh, let's, let's see if it was uh, who who said it I, I can't get the origin but I've seen it before so I, it's not like the uh, it, you know it's like you only hear from one source kind of oh, thing yeah, it's a legitimate source <laughs> like, you know, so, so it's not like uh, it's been well but but that's what I, that did break last Sunday that he was playing right. I know he does NBC already set up, so I think that should be Drew Brees' last year. This should be Drew Brees' spawn song. So that's extra for them. As far as Jameis goes, no, for some reason, which I don't know why, but they believe in Taysom Hill. I don't know if it's a character thing, and they're used to the guy being around, but he's just not it. But hey, if they want to try to do that next year, we can see how smart they really think they are, how smart uh, Sean Payton thinks he is. But yeah, I, I think it's, I think this is it for Drew Brees. And I, I don't understand why they brought Jameson not to play him when Taysom Hill is not an every down quarterback. But well, I my think big Winston could be good with that offense, is, too. I could be, too, especially if he had some good coaching and put him in good situations. I think. It, it, it seems like it could be kind of a good fit, but who knows? Uh, my big conclusion is that the Mitch Trubisky squad, even at 40 years old, is not going to be the Drew Brees squad, even on the worst day. And like I said earlier, the Saints have a better offense and a better defense. And when you are better on both sides of the ball than, mo- than people, you, are pro- you should not lose the game unless you beat yourself. The final game on Sunday 
is the Browns at Steelers. Steelers are six-point favorites at home. RC, what's your take on this game? Gosh, well, evidently, uh, Juju Juju said they're still the same Browns team I play every year. I think they are nameless grave faces. Why you would give more material? Like, I know the Browns are the little brother, and maybe you feel like you can do that, but golly, why are you doing that, Juju? Go dance on the uh, – What have they lesson. won Go dance recently, on the, too? Yeah, I, said, I don't understand. That's another thing. Oh, you don't know this about me, but I can't stand Mike Tomlin. I just think his teams just don't have the discipline. It's all motivation, all up and down. And they lose a lot of games they should not lose. This would be a black mark when uh, Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski, won't be coaching, and they won't let him call the side. They won't let him call the plays via Zoom or anything like that. That's hard to imagine a team's going to win. Um, but they were a long shot anyway without Stefanski, which probably would be my. Uh, I wouldn't say he was coaching of the year. I think Sean McDermott for uh, that's fair. Uh, Buffalo would be the coach of the year. And I really like what Brian Flores did, but Stefanski, you got to appreciate him too. So he would be my second, I think. Uh, but yeah, just the Browns are just not, they're outclassed here. They're not on this team's level. As many problems as the Steelers had down the stretch. It's funny that you said that about Tomlin. I, I did not know that. One of my best friends from college is a huge Steelers fan. And, and you know, he says, you know, obviously he's our coach, so I, I don't want to bash him all the time, but he goes, I, I really think if we would have had like an Andy Reid or a, you know, Bill Belichick, he goes, I, I just think we would have won more Super Bowls and just won because he says Tomlin consistently gets out coached late in games. He makes a lot of bad decisions with, you know, clock management uh, and, and just all kinds of things. As an outsider, I don't, you know, he's notice it as much. He's definitely the Doc Rivers of the NFL. I mean, if you <laughs> if you got a lead, if you if your favorite, like the NFL, you can't be, you can't have a three three one lead. But you talk about being favored, being in the playoffs, that loss to Tebow. Oh. I mean, just in a regular season, those losses. Like you couldn't fault him last year because Ben got hurt and they still the seventy nine. So whoopie mm-hmm. do. This year they started twelve. <laughs> whoopie do. But before that, a lot of underachieving. And not to get a ring out of the, the three Bs, you got Roethlisberger. Yeah, he had the, one bad. of the best, top five quarterback receiver, probably the best running back and one of the best lines to and a good defense. To That's not really get a ring defense. out of that is inexcusable. Constantly underachieve. So, and even losing to the Bengals. That's a Mike Thomas special. How do you lose <laughs> to the Bengals this late in the season? the Ravens did to the Bengals they didn't have Burrow and they still that's what Tomlin does and I hate to knock somebody and two the racial dynamics of the country change so I don't give anybody a pass but I've been a little lighter on Tomlin because black coaches you know and they and Allen and all them get on me but I mean I'm not giving anybody a pass but I, I and based on what was going on with his seasons the last two it's hard to criticize him but this is Doc Rivers and it's coming. It might not come this week. Well, they're gonna have to go to Buffalo, right? Because you lost that since that game in Cincinnati. Where if you win that, Buffalo's coming to your house. So yeah, so yeah, I just uh, but they'll they'll win this game because they got them outclassed. But so my 
my take on this game is, you know, I love when a first round matchup is a rematch of week 17, particularly when there's like one team either resting key players, you know, practically giving the other team a free pass into the playoffs, because then it's like, will the Steelers regret letting the Browns into the players or the playoffs uh, by the Steelers playing, you know, week 17, the way they did, did they, you know, basically say home field doesn't matter this season. And they were just more worried about, you know, big Ben being healthy, which is fair rather than who they pay. Will it pay off? Will it backfire? I mean, it, it's just good for, you know, people that do stuff like us, the sports media, it just gives you a lot of conversation. And as somebody who loves to play, you know, chess and other games, it's, you know, a lot of strategy. It is really interesting to see how different coaches kind of play these situations because, I mean, you know, I know Buffalo was going to rest their, their guys in the second half, but they still came out and really punched Miami in the mouth in the first half. And you got Sheesh. They put it on the Dolphins. It, it was like, <laughs> that was rather embarrassing. It's like, yeah. But yeah, it is, it is interesting the different approaches. They uh, what, what's your big question for this game? A big question is again, is strength on strength. Who wins in this battle in the trenches? You've got probably the best defense in the league, definitely the best front seven, the best front against what is arguably and provably by, pre, by Pro Football Focus the best line in the league. So you got those. You got a very dominant line of scrimmage from both teams, the running game, everything. And the Browns are built like the last matchup we said. They're built like the Ravens. They're built like the, uh, you know, about Lamar. But they're built like the Ravens. They're built like the Titans, where they want to do a lot of play action. I would say Baker's inferior to both those quarterbacks, even as a passer. But um, the, the, the Browns want to run the ball, do play action, minimize Baker's impact on the game, but then try to make big plays. But they cannot do that. And Nick Chubb has been sensational. But they cannot do that if the Steelers won't let them run the ball. So my question is, the run game, will the Browns be able to run the ball against the Steelers? I actually think there is a good chance. I mean, that is obviously the only way I see them winning this game. That kind of actually gets into my big conclusion is I, I really think the only way they come out of this, you know, road game against their rivals with a victory is if Nick Chubb just has a Nick Chubb game, which he is very capable of doing since he returned in week 10. Uh, he, he's He's been phenomenal. He had 14 carries for 108 yards and a touchdown last week. Uh, and, you know, they do they're, – they're without Bud Dupree. They're without Devin Bush. Down the stretch, the Steelers' run D, it, it was not quite as good. They gave up 100 yards in the last three games, over 4.7 yards per carry and five touchdowns. And obviously, the Browns are going to try to run it. I think that, you know, their game plan or, or their goal is going to be a lot of chub, some hunt mixed in, and just sort of see if we can, you know, win this game. The issue is going to be is if they don't score, I do think Pittsburgh is going to be able to throw the ball on them, and I think they're going to be able to score points. And I'm more willing to say that Baker has a chance to be a, you know, a viable starting quarterback for, you know, the next five, seven years for the Browns, but I still don't trust him yet in this game or this spot. And I just think the Steelers are going to be too much. I think they cover the spread, but 
I, I don't want to say it's impossible. It's not like the other games where I'm taking the heavy favorites, and I just think that you know there's no way the underdog can win. I do think Nick Chubb is a talented enough running back, kind of like a Derrick Henry, that he can just take over a game, and that's going to be the only way they win is try to beat up the Steelers' run defense that because of injuries has not been as strong down the stretch. Uh, I, I think this is like a confidence meter. I think the Saints, would, I would have the most confidence in the Saints beating the Bears. And then I would just think that Pittsburgh would beat the Browns because they just have the number. They just have the big brother, little brother thing. It's like a college kind of thing. I would say Michigan State, but Michigan State beats them too too much. I can't think of another one where it's one is clearly, like maybe North Carolina and NC State or something like that, where you just, or Georgia or Georgia Tech or something where there's just a superior one uh, and then without your coach being there that's tough but something to watch for is, is that the Pittsburgh Steelers blitz a lot they blitz on 40 percent of their passes or, or their opponent's passes while Baker Mayfield has 108 quarterback rating against the blitz which is weird wow. and when he is blitz they usually don't get him down like the sack percentage he's only been sacked 26 times and that's eighth in the nfl for the, the uh, on the low end so, so that matchup the fact that you do they do like the blitz a lot but you don't get to baker and when baker i think baker plays better when he doesn't have to think so it's kind of counterintuitive but when you blitz baker he doesn't have to think so he just gets rid of it and he doesn't overthink he just gets rid of it really quickly and so i think that's the other key to the game is will they be able to get pressure on baker and after after the run, but will they be able to get pressure on Baker, or will he be able to beat the blitz and take advantage a little bit? I but said yeah, what? I, I don't believe. I don't the Browns all year. I, I was wrong about the Raiders at first, but that kind of Corey was on that, <laughs> and he was telling me. But the Raiders fell off, but then he started killing me about the Browns, and the Browns finally did. Uh, and the Browns did have that. Who did they lose to? That was a horrible game they lost to. They have any receivers, but still, it, it was the Jets, right? Who did they lose to. I think it was the Jets. Yeah, because the Jets, yeah, they lost to the Jets. So, so it's like, eh, you know, you know they, that's the Browns kind of thing. I don't care if you didn't have your receivers. <laughs> you were playing the Jets. You know, but yeah, I, I definitely have. I'm strong on the Steelers here. Yeah, I said last night that, you know, you were talking the big brother analogy. For me, it's just like, it was like the Falcons versus the Patriots in that Super Bowl. There's, there's NFL franchises that are winners, and there's NFL franchises that are losers. The Steelers is a winning franchise. You know, they've got a good front office. They always are, you know, fairly, they got talent, good coach, quarterback, all that. Browns are the exact opposite. And it's like in those games, you take the team that's winners, not losers. And unfortunately, again, I'm a Falcons fan. I, I, I get it. It sucks, Browns fans. But it's just, I don't see you beating a team like the Steelers in a game like this. It's not even a big brother. Exactly. Exactly. For a long, long time. <laughs> like since I was a kid, I remember Ernest Biner fumbling the ball at the one yard line in the nineteen eighty seven NFC championship game. One of my favorite memories of then they uh then uh John Elway took it down the field, ninety nine yards I think it was, and called the drive. But ever yeah. since then, Browns haven't been shit. But when I was oh, growing yeah. up I thought they were good. Then after that it's like, Oh, what happened? And then the Steelers, after like the late, the mid '90s and in the late '90s, got good and been consistent again after they're running the '70s. So yeah, I just don't trust. But I think we're gonna have a lot of good games. I'm really looking forward to the Tennessee 
And the Baltimore game, I'm looking forward. I think it's going to be ugly, but I'm looking forward to seeing how Tampa Bay and mm-hmm. Washington match up. And the Honeydew game, as you said, is the the Mitch Trubisky Bears at the Saints. So if, if you got Honeydews to do uh, this weekend, do it on Sunday around 4 o'clock. You got anything you want to plug, RC, before we get out of here? Uh, <laughs> it's ironic that you're asking me for anything to plug. <laughs> Don't thing. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Economize. Follow the Facebook page, facebook.com backslash IBN. Uh, somehow, if you're listening to this and you're not in the IBN Sports podcast group, do that. Uh, we also have, I don't call that IB. I be entertainment. Um, and yeah, just listen to the podcast feed. Please rate and subscribe. Give us five stars. That's critical to the podcast. And, yeah, and I do want to say publicly, I said it on the page, but publicly, I want I appreciate all the good work you did. And we got bigger plans for 2021. You know, you know I love this group, the page and everything that, that you've done for me. And, and seriously, if you're not part of the IB Sports Facebook group, it, it's it's the Thunderdome in, in the best sense possible. If you love sports, if you love, you know, debating, if you love, you know, razzing people, it's just, it really is. It's, it's great, especially in a year like 2020, having that page and, you know, the people to interact with and stuff. There's over 4,500 members in the group. It's, it's, it's wonderful. You should definitely check it out. And again, the Team Turnbuckle Wrestling Podcast. We'll have a new episode tomorrow. Be sure to check out the podcast that dropped this week. RC did the Cobra Kai review. Uh, you got the Mod Pod uh, with Alan uh, talking politics, and there's been a lot going on with that. And then again, we had the merging the weekly daily fantasy football podcast, me and Joe Matz, where we get fantasy football picks. And then also me and Alan, the backdoor cover, the gambling podcast, went over in more detail where me, Joe, and uh, Alan all gave picks. We are going to keep up with them. I really hope Joe ends up beating Alan uh, for the playoffs <laughs> and picks against the spread because uh, that will be entertaining in itself. But me and RC will be back uh, through the Super Bowl to preview each round of the playoffs. We'll keep to the format. It's the same thing we did uh, last year. So for RC Carlton, the CEO, founder, president, the, the titers, titles, titles, and uh, Keith Fleming, this has been a special wild card preview episode on the IB Sports Podcast Network. We'll see you guys.